Experience worship. True worship. Experience the word. Bringing you wholeness. Experience the warmth of fellowship. Experience wholeness at Lighthouse. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at the Lighthouse. House 7, Plot 2 Stroke 3, Kudratabiola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. Visit our website at www.lighthousenergy.org or contact us at info at lighthousenergy.org. The Lighthouse, lighting your pathway to destiny. Father, we are very grateful this morning. We appreciate you that we are called by your name. Thank you for our day and time. Your word says, as, is, as your days are, so shall your strength be. Your word says, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. And thank you for your grace for our day. Thank you for your, for your grace for our time. Thank you for your homes and marriages, and your plans and purposes for us today. Thank you for the privilege of your word. Thank you for grace to share same with your church. Thank you for helping us to see individually what you want us to do right now. And thank you for confirming your word into our lives with signs following. Thank you for this great work you are doing. Thank you for your servants. Thank you for your people. And thank you for all that you will do in this service. Let it be clear when we are done that we are fellowship with the Most High. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning and happy Sunday. It's wonderful to be here this morning. Uh, what Pastor you didn't tell you is how many times since I came here about a year ago, he and this church have been a blessing to me and my family. He talked about my wife saying, but he didn't tell you that. You know, uh, the truth is uh, he and you have been great blessings to us. I first came here about a year ago, I think about a year ago now, and um, thank you very much. And help me to thank him and his dear wife, Pastor Falake, the leadership and membership of this assembly. Uh, it's wonderful to be here again. Well, you are stuck with me this morning anyway. <laughs> and I appreciate Pastor Buiga of Rima also, Pastor Buiga de Juan of Rima. Please help me clap for all these great servants of God and all other people here whose names I do not know very well. Um, you know, uh, so many people have jackpot lately. I don't know if it's happening here too. In the assembly, I pastor more than a hundred families. I've jackpot in the last one year or so. I didn't say individuals, I said families. So I'm talking about hundreds of people. And, and they don't tell you before they leave. I don't, know, I don't know if they tell you here. Yeah, they'll tell you like two days before time, before they are going. They'll say, Pastor, I want to. So I already know when a man is, I say, Pastor, we want to see you. Are you jackpot as well? So I know that's the next thing. And they say, our, our visa just came out two days ago. So when are you going? Day after tomorrow. You know? So maybe somebody told them that if they tell people, they will go and wait for them at Tikeja or something. Say, and some, you won't just see them and then you ask them, ah, they'll say, in April, you know, we relocated in April, you know, they heard from God. Of course, yeah, that's what they tell you. <laughs> and uh, the truth is, you really can't blame younger people if they want to leave. 
because some of them think there's no so I, I, I love the spirit of Pastor Ayo. I also believe in this nation. You know, and I believe there's a great nation coming out of Nigeria again. And guess what? There's good in every land. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The best place to be is where God wants you to be. As a younger person, I also wanted to jack so I can relate with it. I mean, in the days of uh, Andrew, how many people remember Andrew? So, uh, those of my generation would remember him. 1984 or so, the guy was on TV, wore a three-piece suit, and he said, so I'm checking out. No light, no water, no telephone, no good roads, no... Man, you can't even get a bottle of soft drink. And somebody said, Andrew. That was on NTA in those days, you know? And so it's funny that we are still here now, so many years after. You know, but... Uh, I got to know that was in God's plan for my life to Jackpot, and I stayed back, and I don't regret it. And I can tell you something: there is nothing anybody who is my age or friend or colleague is able to do that I'm not able to do also. Because the important thing is to be where God wants you to be. Where God wants you to be, if you are there and you follow God's word and His plans and purposes, you will eat the good of the land. And people who have Jackpot also have discovered that there are poor people everywhere. Like a man of God says. Prosperity is not a native of America. Neither is poverty a native of Nigeria. Yeah, there are poor people everywhere, and there are rich people everywhere also. So be in Christ and be in God's purpose for you. And we will see Nigeria turn around for good in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for praying for Pastor Taiwood Koya and his family and the uh, family of Life Church. That, that's how it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, that, that blessed me a lot. If you ask me what blessed me most in this service, that, that's it. That God's servant led us to pray, you know, along those lines because... Uh, He's one of us. I still use ease because he's alive and well. Uh, he, uh, Pastor Bim Bob preached for us, and uh, the church had pastor. Pastor Tywo also preached for us a few times. I, I preached at Fountain a few times also. So, you know, I, I, I knew him, and a uh, very good man. That, that's just the truth. Very good man. Well, thank God we have hope beyond the grave. You know, I, I just got to say this again. You know, I, I had a friend, very good friend in ministry, and... Uh, this person died, I think it was 52, somebody who founded a ministry. And I had the, can somebody say, unprivileged. <laughs> I had the unprivileged to be in his services following Sunday after pastor died. It was tough. These people were leading worship and they were crying. You know, and I was in the congregation also that day to be there because I was there towards the end of his life and all that. So one has seen things and you just know that this, this Christianity is true. If you want to serve God, serve him. Are you getting my point? Yeah, because that can't just be it. Somebody who was alive last Sunday and everything was fine and talking and had plans and the person would just evaporate. No. So if you want to serve God, really serve him. I, I want to believe you want to serve God. So one of the things important to God, very important to God, the first institution we see in the Bible before human government, before the church and all that is what we're talking about at this time in this assembly about marriage. I've titled my message Adam and Eve. That's the title of my message today, Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 2 from verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Thank you for the person at the sound console. Sounds better for me now. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman 
and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, Aha, you know, aha is not in the Bible. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. One day, Pharisees testing Jesus came to him and asked him concerning the issue of divorce, whether it was okay to divorce your wife and all of that. And uh, so they, they, it was a test question because when he answered them, they said, Yeah, but Moses says so. So they already knew, they, 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 they knew what they had in mind. And as the talk, Jesus told them from the beginning, it was not so. So God's mind has always been clear from the beginning. In, in biblical interpretation, that's what is called the law of first mention. Anytime something is mentioned in the Bible the first time, that's God's mind about that thing forever. Because I'm the Lord. I changed you know, Malachi 3, 6. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. People argue today as to whether I call is okay or not. The first time I call appears in the Bible, Noah got drunk, he cost his son. Is that positive? No. So God's mind is not positive about alcohol. When you see the first time, anytime you see something the first time in the Bible, because God doesn't change, that's God's mind about that thing. So, we're looking at the very first marriage this morning, first marriage covenant. Because Jesus said from the beginning it was not so. So you want to know God's mind, you want to know how to handle things now, go to the very beginning and see how it was when God intended for that thing to be and that's how to draw it. We, we all know that a covenant is an agreement between at least two parties by which their course of action is bound. In King James Version, the Bible says, any bound to your wife, let him not seek to be loosed. The word bondage is, is even used there. But it's not bondage in a negative sense. It's bondage in a positive sense. So we want to look at the marriage of Adam and Eve this morning and see God's mind concerning the marriage covenant that way. I know you are doing a series now. I, I've had cause to listen to God's servant. Just briefly, these times I've been here, and, and I can tell you you are in a good place. I can tell you you are fitting right. You know, when you see somebody who is well-nourished, you know. And when you see somebody who is malnourished, you know as well. So one can catch the spirit of the house, and I can tell you are feeding well. Can you please say hallelujah? hallelujah. Okay, I said say hallelujah. So now shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, I want to point out to you that Adam and Eve were successfully married for more than 800 years out of 930 years. Let's read that a little bit. So you see, most of your life, you'll be a married person for most people. Genesis 5 from verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. You remember, before this, Cain had killed Abel. And Abel had left home. Excuse me. Cain had left home. So we don't know how old he was when all that took place. We are knowing now that he was 130 years old when he gave birth to Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So think of 800 over 930. Adam was married for that long to Eve. For most of us, we'll be married most of our lives. Think of the person who gets married at the age of 30 and dies at the age of 80. That means 50 of those years you will have been married. So it's important if most of our lives, for most people, they will be married. 
I'm saying mostly because there are some people who are not married and some are not going to marry and that's not a problem. I, I, I felt led at the time to preach on what I titled single and fulfilled. Because in the body of Christ, sometimes you forget people who are not married. They also have issues, they also have needs and thank God they can serve God. Because the Bible makes it clear that anybody who makes a vow to God, that the vow of someone who has a father, the father can overturn the same day. You remember that, you know, the, 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 the husband also can overturn. But the Bible says the vow of a, a widow or a divorcee, so that means a widow, a divorcee also, God has plans for them. So it's not until you marry, okay? But for most of us, and that's what we can do in the body of Christ, talk to most of us. For most of us, we'll be married most of our lives. Now, Adam and Eve were married successfully for more than 800 years. And it's not because they were Christians. As a matter of fact, they were not Christians. Of course, you couldn't be a Christian until Christ came, isn't it? Okay. God was the center of their lives. But what I'm trying to point our attention to is I want to get our attention to see that that you're a Christian does not mean your marriage will work automatically. Because they were not Christians. Now, it's not because they had money. As a matter of fact, they didn't have money. There was no need for money in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, all their needs were met. I, I know that. But it's not because they had money. They, they didn't have money. It's not because they had no challenges. They had challenges. Adam lost his job. How do I know? God told him to dress it and keep it. And then God threw him out of the garden. And then the comfort that they had, four rivers. You don't even have a swimming pool in your house. You are making noise. Adam had four rivers. And threw them out. So, he lost all that. And then their son killed the other son. Can you imagine that kind of challenge? And then the one that killed that one went away. They never heard from him again. No email, no text message, nothing. They never heard from him again. You haven't seen problems. You are talking about problems. You haven't seen problems. May you not see problems in life. <laughs> one day somebody said he saw an old man and he, he, he was saying, Ah, Nigeria is too high problems. And the man said, Are you sure you have seen problems? He said, have you buried your wife? The man said, no. He said, have you buried your children? Have you buried more than one of them? He said, you don't have a problem. So may we not see problems. <laughs> so, it's not because they are, listen to me. Concerning Adam and Eve, God was their matchmaker. It's not that uh, somebody went to visit somebody, then somebody met in somebody's sister's house. No, God was the matchmaker. God. God was the officiating minister. The only officiating minister. It wasn't Pastor Ayo, it wasn't Pastor Volake, it wasn't any of the pastors here. God was the officiating minister. He was the only officiating minister, and there were still challenges. You're talking about somebody, your better half. This one was re-better half. God took a rib from him and made, yeah. So it couldn't be more perfect than that. That's what you would call the ideal. And despite that, we're seeing that there, are, there were challenges. I was speaking somewhere earlier on today, and I was telling them that research has showed that marriages that work don't have less challenges than marriages that don't work. There are similar things that come against all marriages, because there's only one devil. There's no New Testament devil. It's the same devil, and he tries the same things. Is how people handle those things that make a difference whether marriage will fail or marriage will succeed. No, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand. When people are talking like that, they're, they're not being objective. They're being so you don't understand. That's why the Bible says there is no temptation that is 
facing you except it's common to man. There's no special problem. You don't have any special problem. So, some Christians do say it's a spiritual problem. So what? His name of Jesus cannot. Yeah, it's a spiritual problem. That's a spiritual problem means that's why it's not changing because it's a spiritual problem. So what does that mean? What's the meaning of the spiritual problem? They're trying to excuse away why there was no result. They say it's a spiritual problem. So what? If it's a spiritual problem, is the name of Jesus a canon name? If somebody, if something does not have a solution, it's not a problem. A problem has a solution. If something has a solution, it's something else, it's not a problem. So you think you have a problem, there is a solution. And that solution is in God. Please shout hallelujah. hallelujah. If something does not have a solution, it is not a problem. Take that home today. A problem has a solution. And for a child of God, is the name of Jesus Christ. Is any sick among you, is any afflicted among you, let him pray. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. First thing I want to talk about concerning Adam and Eve is acceptance. Acceptance. When we read that story, just now. God had told Adam to name animals. And then when he brought Eve to him, having put him to a deep sleep, do you know the person who discovered anesthesia drew his inspiration from this scripture? That the solution in performing surgery successfully is for somebody to be put to a deep sleep before they are caught. In the past, they did surgeries by getting people drunk, you know, I don't know if you've seen some of those old-time photographs before. They would put alcohol on the person, would, and then they would tie his hand there, tie his hand there, tie his hand there, tie his hand there, and they would cut his body while, you know, that's how they destroyed this in the past, long ago. But somebody said, if this is how it was done, then that's God's mind. It's possible for people to be put to sleep. And eventually, all kinds of things were tried. Of course, you know, scientists, until the man left himself to be used as an example that what he had discovered, they should use it on him to put him to sleep. And then, so that's how anesthesia started. Inspiration. I see so much in the Bible, may God open our eyes, that man can learn from today. So, God put Adam to a deep sleep and brought his spouse to him. And note, when he lacked, God brought, he took something. So, that thing was permanently missing. God did not return that thing. He came as his wife. That's why you and your spouse must be opposites in some areas. Because what the man was lacking was the wife. When you see a man who talks too much, his wife will not talk. He's talking for both of them already. <laughs> so when you see a woman who is very aggressive, her husband will be docile. Ah! And people will say, ah, yeah, but that lay. <laughs> That's right. Because what God took from him is the person God brought. So any marriage that is working, you see that that's how it is. I was talking about the first thing I want to say, acceptance. That's the first thing. When God brought Eve to Adam, he accepted her straight away. Acceptance. These are parts of reasons why there are issues in marriages. There was nobody to compare Eve with. Adam accepted what God gave to him as the best. The problem today is we compare our spouses with others. We are looking at, you don't know what that person is going through. Particularly in this age and time where people display nonsense online. Where you will see somebody who appears to have a happy home online and then after three weeks you hear about a divorce. Very fake light that many are displaying for the world to see. 
People who are living serious Christian lives don't put such things online. Acceptance. If the president of uh, what country do you like? Where do you want to jack to? <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> On a serious note, some big man somewhere that you admire and respect and you think, you know, this hip. If the person will give you a biro pen, you will value that biro pen. If somebody is praying, do you know who gave it to me? So the value you put on the gift is the value you put on the giver. So if you know that God gave this person to me to be my wife, God gave this person to me to be my husband, is he going to be perfect? No, neither are you perfect. But acceptance is what we see concerning this marriage that made it work. So accept your spouse. Accept your husband. Accept your wife. Accept that this is who God has given to me. Don't wish they were someone else. Don't think if they will behave like this, that's when you will If they will change them. No, no, no. Just accept that the person is. Listen to this. One day, some people wanted to get married. And people were advising them. And I was there. And I heard myself say, what I mean is I didn't think it out. I just let myself say it. That if she's good enough for God, she's good enough for you. I didn't say let him be good enough for you. You know why? A Christian has God living inside them. So if somebody is born again, the person is good enough for God. If somebody is good enough for God, the person is good enough for you. Not that they should be good enough. The person is already good enough for you. If God can dwell in somebody, the person is good enough for you. So accept your spouse. Recognize God gave her to me. God gave him to me. Begin to see the person like that. Begin to treat the person like that. Because the value you put on a gift is the value you put on a giver. So don't compare your spouse with anybody else. It's not good that man should be alone. So you are not better off being alone. Ecclesiastes 4 from verse 9, two are better than one. Number two, are you ready? Excitement. We're talking about Adam and Eve. Excitement. God told Adam to name animals, and I can imagine him saying lion, tiger, hippopotamus, giraffe. And then God brought Eve, and then he became a poet. Behold the bone of my bones. Behold the flesh of my flesh. He wasn't talking like that before. He was excited. Excitement. When you are excited, you are happy, anticipating that something good will happen. Or something good has happened. I got married in December, 35 years ago. So my marriage is going to be 35 years in a few months. I remember how I was dancing on that day. I was jumping like a toad. Because I was excited that I was going to spend the rest of my life with this young lady. I'm still excited today that I'm married to her. I'm grateful to God that I married her. But you know something? It's not chance. It's not luck. It won't be me I have a way of saying that. The part of the country where I live, they let you pray that way. Father, can you go, can you go? Be me walk. As though spirit of uh, something, something, enter me. So we make it seem it's all God. 
If it's all God, it's not Christianity. God has done what he will do. Everything he will do, God has done. Man must take responsibility for life and act based on God's word. That's when the results will come. It's not by praying, baby war. Something will not take you over for you to accept the person you are married to. So number one, acceptance. Number two, what did I convert you? Have I got to number two yet? Excitement. Don't lose that excitement. See, one can lose that excitement. Make sure you don't lose the excitement. I find this instruction in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 5. See this. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. See, God rejoicing over you. How? As a bridegroom rejoices over... I'm going somewhere. Now look at Isaiah 54, 5. Isaiah 54, 5 reads, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. So God knows the difference between a husband and a bridegroom. You are called a bridegroom on your wedding day or shortly after. Nobody calls you a bridegroom when you've been married for five years. Nobody calls you a bridegroom when you've been married for ten years. So God knew and he could say, your maker is your husband. He said it before. And then later he now said, as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride. He didn't say, as a husband rejoices over the wife. God chose to identify with bridegroom rather than husband. Because he knows that after people have been married for some time, they don't rejoice over their spouses anymore. So he said, I will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride. A bridegroom is excited about his bride, but many husbands are no longer excited about their wives. Come back to that excitement if you want your marriage to be the way God intended for it to be. Don't lose the excitement. I don't know why everybody's quiet on me now. <laughs> don't lose that excitement can you imagine if a bride has a headache during your honeymoon the bridegroom we say let's go to the hospital let's go and see the doctor let's go and uh, but after some years of marriage the woman goes to the doctor by herself and comes back and says you didn't even ask me what the doctor said say am i a doctor that's what she said am i a doctor say okay so what did the doctor say <laughs> but during your honeymoon you will take her there and when the doctor says, where exactly are you feeling pain? The man will be saying, the pain is I, I thought she's the one that says, hey, she's the one. But uh, yeah, that's what happens in honeymoon. Because the bridegroom is rejoicing over the bride. Don't lose that in marriage. Seek care for the person you are married to like that. I have noticed that when a man's back is down on the bed in the hospital, you will see a woman by his side looking after him. It will be his wife. When the woman's back is down on a hospital bed, you see a woman, again, by her side, her mother. Why don't husbands look after wives the way wives look after husbands? Why can't a man do the same? Whatever you claim to know or preach or teach will be tested. I've been saying this, I didn't know that's going to happen to me. My wife needed to have a procedure in the hospital she was in the hospital for four days at a time many years ago. 
in for those four days i didn't see my car at all where i parked it i stayed with her on the hospital bed there and she was trying to convince me to go home and our son spoke up and said mommy if i were in that issues i would do the same i thought that's my son and so she allowed me to stay and the first day i sat i sat and then when they saw that i was not going to go in the hospital in my room they gave me a piece of foam to sleep to lie on now, these were people who knew me you know, quite a bit in that hospital because many people in the church I pastor worked there and all that. The chief medical director was with even now is a member of the church, but that was many years ago. And then nurses would come to want to clean my wife and she said, don't worry, my husband will do it for me. So they were surprised. But if roles were reversed, isn't my wife, isn't she the one who will do it for me? I don't know why you are quiet. <laughs> We're talking about Adam and Eve. So don't lose that excitement. Keep rejoicing over your spouse. Keep looking after them. The Bible talks about husband of your youth, wife of your youth. It's a plus to marry young. That's what I'm enjoying today. Pastor, I told you I have three grandchildren. A fourth one is on the way. You can see that I'm still a young man. So I married young. I didn't create problems for people. There are some of you who are creating problems. <laughs> you are chronic bachelors. You know how to make a dikai call. You know how to make covers like, you know how to make beggary. Man, for what? <laughs> then, then, then you get married. You criticize everything your wife does. She doesn't know how to cook. She doesn't have to Let me get back to you. Number three, openness. They were naked before each other. They were not ashamed. We're talking about Adam and Eve, don't forget. Both of them were naked. Everything was in the open. There was nothing to hide. Nobody pretended they were who they were not. I think it's foolish when a man is pretending to have money that he doesn't have. A real wife will help you to keep the money. If you say you want to eat suya, a real wife, we say there's meat at home. Well, but, uh, yeah. You know, your children at a stage will try to play you against each other. Children we know. Your children know you. They know who we try to spoil them. When our children were younger, one will say, Mommy, uh, sorry, Daddy, I want to eat suya. She will start saying, Mommy, that she will return to Daddy, knowing that if Daddy has agreed, Mommy will not change it. But knowing that if she says, Mommy, Mommy might say, Why do you want to go and buy you outside? There's food at home. You see, it's, it's a girlfriend. They call them along. When we were in school in Edo State, there were girls they called along the road. You know what along means? Somebody just pick by the side of the road. And I say along. Where for along? Just along. <laughs> you know, that, that's how when they flag a taxi down in Benin. And you say, where do they go? They say, along. Along. You see what it's along. Along. So the taxi driver knows along means it's still on a straight route. So they say, where for along? That means, uh, is it by, by social bank or social bank? Just say, just along. So they call such guests along. It's people you pick along the road who you will take somewhere to eat. And uh, they will take something. And they, they, will put a, they will say, bring this one again. You know, they want to waste your money. Along. It's, it's along. So just along. <laughs> Somebody who is a real wife does not want to squander your money. 
And if you are a Christian and you are married, it's not how long you married. Let there be openness. I don't understand, I can't understand why a man will pretend to have what he doesn't have. Or a wife will pretend to be open before each other. Otherwise, there will be requests and demands that are not necessary based on the impression you are trying to give. Don't live separate lives. I don't understand a woman who has a best friend outside her husband. I don't understand a man who has a best friend outside his wife. Since I met my wife, she has been my best friend. She's still my best friend today, under God. And I want to believe it's the same thing the other way around. Be open with your finances. Be open with everything. Tell each other things by yourselves. Don't let the person hear it from outside. One of the greatest terrible things that one sees in marriage is your wife getting to know something you are planning to do from an outsider or the same thing the other way around. Why not be open? In Proverbs 25, 9, the Bible reads, Debate your cause or your case with your neighbor. Do not disclose the secret to another. Why not be open with it? Why complain to your father or mother or sibling or somebody about something with your spouse? Number four, latitude. What I mean by latitude is freedom to choose, freedom to speak, freedom to express himself or herself, freedom to make desires and interests known, allowance. Why am I saying this? Because when the devil came, the woman spoke to the devil. She had latitude to talk. The mistake she made was that she didn't consider that God said something that they were not supposed to do. But we see latitude. How do I mean? God told Adam, name all the animals. Whatever you call them is fine. So God gave man latitude. And if you don't give your spouse latitude in marriage, that spouse will be frustrated in that marriage. That spouse does not have an input. You say, this is the school the children will attend. Or she says, this is so and so and so that it's going to happen. Not considering that I say spouse, somebody that has an equal input in that marriage. The earthly father of Jesus Christ, Joseph, was going to put her away, put Mary away, and finally, the angel spoke to him also, and then he married her. And when he married her, she was already pregnant for Jesus. Think about this. For nine whole months of pregnancy, the Bible says he had no intercourse with her. They were married. They were husband and wife. I can imagine they were staying in the same room. And yet, he left her. What does that tell me? It tells me he respected so much the grace of God upon his wife's life that he was willing to support her purpose that this is sacred. I can wait. I will wait. There were other children born after that. James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. And they said, are his sisters not here with us? So for sisters to be used, there must have been at least two sisters. So there was enough time for all that later, but he respected her purpose enough not to have sexual intercourse with her because she was carrying a sacred seed. Are you ready to support your spouse's purpose? Will you give them latitude to do what they believe God wants them to do? 
There are men who say they are prosperous enough, their wives must not work. Now, you are not considering whether she wants to work or not. Just have no money, she must not work. Just yourself. Is it making any sense? I came from a home where my parents had a joint account. When daddy gave you money, you thanked mommy because you knew both of them did it. My wife came from a polygamous home. There's no joint account in a polygamous home. So two wives and one father. And I mean, the polygamous of my wife came from is the best that you can see. 15 children, outsiders don't know the difference. Outsiders don't know who is whose child. That's how their father raised them. Everybody together in that sense. So 15 children. And my wife's side has 10 of those 15. The other side, five. The reason was, apparently, my mother-in-law was looking for a son. So she had nine girls in a row. And the last born is son. So 10. Yes. So my wife is like the seventh of those girls. So when we were going to get married, naturally, based on the kind of home I came from, I would have wanted a joint account. And I saw my wife wasn't keen on it because of the kind of home she came from. Everybody's a product of their past. So we discussed it. Okay, it's okay, that's fine. But now I thank God that we didn't have a joint account. I saw in the Bible, Proverbs 31, 16, we call her the virtuous woman today. The Proverbs 31, we don't know whether she's tall or short. So the things people make an issue of are not issues. We don't know whether she's fair or dark. We don't know anything about the Proverbs 31 woman, but she wakes up before other people in the house. When people are still sleeping, she's walking and all that. See part of what we see about her, Proverbs 31, 16. She considers a field and buys it from her profits. That's not a joint account. She plants a vineyard and so on and so forth. She had financial independence. Do you know in the story in 1 Samuel 25, Nabal was his name. Foley was with him. You remember Nabal and Abigail? Abigail was a good woman and Nabal was a bad man. So a good woman can be married to a bad man. And the Bible tells us in that story that when Nabal treated David's boys like area boys, you know, that's, that's basically what he, he treated them like area boys. Because they said, uh, your boys have come. You know, this is a day of feast. We come to do what I go with your useless people that ran away from their master. And uh, David was intending to kill every male in that family. And even though the man was terrible, his wife was nice. And the servants went to the wife and said, You know, Oga, you know how he behaves. Well, you having nice, you're having kind to us. Pastor was telling us earlier to be nice and kind to people. And they said, this is what we have to know. Those people who are nice to us. And the Bible says, that woman took resources from home. She didn't tell her husband. So she was in a position to afford some things. And she saved her husband's life temporarily. Later, he said that because she had resources of her own, she was able to save his life temporarily. So there must be some financial latitude. You see, if every penny your wife will spend must come from you, when she's not able to do what she wants to do, she will think it's because of that. She needs to give her mother money. 
and there is no money. She begins to feel that she's just slaving in this home. She's not just happy. Everything is not okay. But if she has her money, she might still not be able to do it. And then what you give her at one time will become valuable. But if you insist that everything must come from one place, we're talking about Latin, you don't forget. So that Eve could talk to the serpent shows that in that marriage there was latitude. She didn't have to say, until my husband comes, I can't take a decision. The mistake that was made was that she didn't consider that God had said they wanted to take that fruit. But latitude is right because God gave man latitude. Because God said to Adam, name the animals. Whatever you call them is fine by me. You don't like it. So I pointed out to you how Joseph supported his wife, Mary, and God's plan for her life. Are you allowing your wife to be who God wants her to be? Wives, are you allowing your husband to be who God wants them to be? The kinds of things my wife does in ministry are not the kinds of things I do in ministry. The kinds of things I emphasize are not the kinds of things she emphasizes. We believe in each other's ministry. We respect each other's ministry. We are each other's number one cheerleaders. But don't try to make your spouse to become you. You are frustrating the purpose of God for marriage. Do you know God said I will give me help comparable to him? In the New Testament, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as our helper. I understand the Greek word used. Because you know Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That is basically the same meaning. Meaning what the Holy Ghost is to do in, my wife can do out. So God said to Abraham, listen to Sarah, your wife. Sometimes all the God you need to hear is listen to your spouse. Kill and so, kill and so. That's the attitude of some to their wives. Your wife gives an opinion, says, kill and so, kill and so. How can someone enjoy or be fulfilled in that kind of marriage when she knows there's nothing i say that matters to my husband and then somebody else his friend his brother will come and say that same thing later and yeah it's true he's going to say it's true and the wife had said so before and it didn't matter how do you expect pray all the prayer you like you have an unhappy wife and if there's an unhappy wife it's an unhappy home i assure you so these things are not spirit, spirit, cocoa. Fasting and prayer. You know, fasting and praying. Do you know the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice? The Bible says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination unto God. The prayer of the upright is delight. Proverbs 15, 8. That means you can liken sacrifice to prayer. What they tried to do with sacrifice in the Old Testament was access to God. And that's what prayer does today. It gives us access to God. So when the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice, my personal paraphrase is obedience is better than prayer. Because if God says something, there's no need to pray. Do it. So trying to pray, God, turn the mind of my husband. The Bible says wives, be submissive to your husband. Just do what God says. Obedience is better than prayer. Husband is saying, why? So, so, and so. God, you, have, you don't need to pray and fast about it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How does Christ love the church? 
everything he did was basically for the church. Christ didn't do anything for himself. Are you that kind of husband? You see everything you are doing for your spouse, not for yourself. If you love your wife as Christ loved the church, so we know the kind of love we are talking about. There's no need to ask which love. Is it agape? Is it filio? Is it erosos? There's no need. As Christ loved the church, that's agape. Christ died for the church. So does your wife know you are willing to die for her if need be? When you are that kind of husband, your wife will so take up. You, people will think she's a fool that she wants to cut her head for you to be satisfied. I don't know why you are quiet. We are looking at Adam and Eve. Number one, acceptance. Number two, excitement. Number three, openness. Number four, latitude. So allow her input. Allow his input. First Corinthians 7 from verse 32. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord how he may please the Lord but he who is married cares about the things of the world how he may please his wife as a difference between a wife and a virgin the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit but she who is married cares about the things of the world how she may please her husband and this I say for your own profit not that I may put a leash on you but for that which is proper and that you may serve the Lord without destruction, distraction. Meaning, we need to be careful for family life not to become a distraction. So God is saying, the way a husband should care for his wife, the way a wife should care for the husband, should be so good that if they are not careful, it is start competing with their service of God. Is that how you care for your spouse? Number five, commitment. We're talking about Adam and Eve, commitment. I find it instructive that when there was a mistake, because there will be mistakes, Adam could have said to Eve, since you came into my life, I've had problems. Everything was honky-dory until you came along. You were not there when God spoke to me anyway. I had a nice place, I had a nice house, business was fine, everything was fine, and now because you entertained what you should not have entertained, see what has happened to me. Because of you now, God threw me out. But let's see what happened in the Bible. Genesis 3 from verse 19. God said to the man, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Next verse. Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she shall be the mother of all living. I'm surprised that the next thing Adam did was to show endearment to her. I'm surprised. Let's go to the end of the chapter. Verse 24. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So get out of here. You are not coming back to this blessing of prosperity. The next verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife, Eve's wife and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. The next thing again I see is endearment. To know his wife speaks of intimacy with his wife. So God threw a man out of the garden. And the next thing the man does is endearment to his wife. God said, you're going to sweat. And the next thing he does is to call her a special name. 
That is commitment. That is commitment. Are you committed to your spouse? One can tell when someone is committed to one. We all know this attitude of Ruth when she was going with Naomi. And Naomi excused both of them. Don't worry. She didn't know. I mean, what's going to happen? Are you going to wait for me? Even if I were to marry, I have sons now. Will you wait for them? Will you marry them? You know, God has dealt. It wasn't God's fault because the man jackpot and there's no suggestion in the Bible that he sought God before going. So he died there. Everybody died, you know, and then the wife was come back alone. And that's the problem when somebody is in authority over you. Sometimes you follow the person not because of your own personal conviction but for the sake of domestic peace. And she said, you can go back. And uh, at that stage, what's the name of the other girl? Uh, what's her name? Orpa. She used Agbari. Really, it's too late. What's the purpose now? And her going back also meant going back to her gods, according to what Naomi said. But Ruth said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Even where you die, that's the language of commitment. There are people today who are married and their attitude is, if it doesn't work, they will move on. If you have that mindset in marriage, the devil will supply you a lot of things that won't make it work. It has never crossed my mind that my wife and I will not be together tomorrow. It has never crossed her mind. It has never even come out before that anybody will sleep in another room. In these 35 years of marriage, nobody has ever slept in another room. Nobody has ever been angry not to eat, to say you're annoyed. Nobody has been angry to keep malice. There has not been one minute malice because we will be there tomorrow. How can I say the way your parents brought you up? If I plan to be in that marriage tomorrow, how can I talk to my wife like that? How can I say you are foolish, you are stupid if I'm planning to be there tomorrow? You see, many times people talk and behave as though they will not be there tomorrow. And that's why really they are not there tomorrow. I once asked a woman, is your penny in this project at all? Because they were building house supposedly. And I kept hearing, I did, I did not we. So I said, and the wife said, one penny of hers was not there. So I said to myself, you are not planning to be there tomorrow. As I speak, that woman is in another country. And the man is in another country. Because how, how, how can only one person be doing everything and the other person is not lifting a finger? That person is not planning to be there tomorrow. Somebody who will be there tomorrow, you should not be able to differentiate. Nobody say, my television, my car, when I bought the gas cooker, who cares when you bought what? Yeah. If I were to be a separate man, how, how are you going to divide? What are you going to divide? How? Because I've never planned in my subconscious for me to live separately from my wife. She has never planned in her subconscious. Many years ago when I wanted to jump her, I went to Kaduna. I don't know if you knew there was a U.S. consulate in Kaduna before. There used to be a U.S. consulate in Kaduna. 4 a.m. in the morning, I was on the queue with my wife and a four-month-old baby. And uh, the interviewer said, you're a doctor. Your wife is a doctor. This is the only child. You won't come back. I said in my mind, correct. 
but I didn't say it out. So, blah, blah, bounced. <laughs> you know, they stamped the passport. But go back. And then when we got back home, I was sensible enough not to sell property. I didn't sell our property or anything. I just went back home. And I said to my wife, you didn't want to go. She said, I didn't want to go. She followed me because I believed that was God's plan. I had a vision. I, I mean, a literal vision where our son was a particular age at the embassy. It was my younger brother that pointed out to me when I was now going to U.S. later that the age that you saw, this age of, see, you, that God can show you something and you will read it the way you want. I read it to me we were to relocate. Whereas what God was showing me was that when your son will be this age, you'll be going to do so and so thing. But I took it that was so, you know. <laughs> so I sat, I got to know God's plan for my life and I stayed with it. And things that seemed important at the time are not important today. Only God knows how many marriages have been scattered because of Jackpot syndrome. That a man goes and can't see his wife for 10 years and a wife goes and, you know, all kinds of things that people do. Don't say it can't happen to you. There are steps to take so that those things won't happen to one. As we get ready to pray, we have talked about Adam and Eve briefly. There's more to say about it because when the devil came, the devil was outside. And if they did not allow what was outside to get inside, won't have caused a problem. I'm not dwelling on that because of time. Because when the Bible says a threefold cord is not quickly broken, God is a third piece. You see, your marriage is going to be influenced either way. People say, we don't want third party influence. That's not no such thing. It is true that you should not carry your matters outside. Nobody has ever spoken to my wife and I in 35 years. But to say there's no third party is a lie. Because you see marriages that inspire you. You see things in the Bible. So every marriage is influenced by a third party. Usually either God or the devil. When you listen to wrong counsel, that's the devil. When somebody talks like Peter said, just you're not going to die. Something against purpose, that's the devil. You should recognize it. And when you somebody say, that's God. But it's not possible for you to say, nobody will be, no, no, no. And there are people who use it as an abusive weapon. They say, if you tell anybody, I won't go to church again. And so the wife will keep quiet until it's too late. And guess what? I've known many of such cases. When eventually they told, the person did not stop. It's just a weapon of abuse to say you must not talk. If you are dealing with an issue and you and your spouse can't agree on it, you need to talk before it's too late. If both of you can't agree on it, you need to talk. There's so much about counsel in the Bible. So much about counsel in the book of Proverbs. That's part of why you have shepherds in the house. And you can see that they have a good marriage. Don't just suffer in silence. If you are trying to talk and person is not listening, it's time to talk to somebody you both respect and you'll agree with. So, it's a lie. It's, it's, it's not true that somebody does not need a third party. We all need a third party. Either God or the devil. So, don't allow the devil to influence you. Allow God to influence you. You know, that's more that I, I know you are doing a series. I know there is so much that you are going to learn at this time. But you make up your mind that your marriage is going to work. My own marriage is working. No devil can stop it from working. Even when I was a small boy, I knew I would have a happy marriage. If the devil had been as powerful as Christians think, I shouldn't even be alive today. I've been opening my mouth bang, like this for long. There's nothing you can do about it. If a man will walk on the world, there's no devil that can stop it from happening. Let's stand to our feet to pray. This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Christian Outreach Center. 
the lighthouse, house 7, plot 2 slash 3, Kudrata Biola Way, Oregon, Ikeja, Lagos. For inquiries, please log on to www.lighthouseng.org for more.